you know, for my own mental health, um, I just realized one, one evening in my kitchen, talked to my wife that, that I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to be as frustrated and infuriated. This is Fails, Falls, and Fuck-Ups, where we talk to amazing, successful people about the times they were, well, amazingly unsuccessful. And joining me today is a icon of podcasting. He is a historian. His podcasts are loved by millions. There are so many to list, but the three ones that I want to bring up are American History Tellers, American Scandal, and History Daily. Joining me is Lindsey Graham. Not that Lindsey Graham. The other Lindsey Graham. Lindsey, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Again, much appreciation for coming on this podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Just kicking off this, trying to give people a sense of when somebody is successful, oftentimes that behind the success, there are missteps that have informed and helped build that success along the way. So just in interest of diving in, I believe in our pre-conversation, you had mentioned that working your way to this career that you have, you've been um, sacked several, several times along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was trying to count them up in that email, and, and uh, I think it was four times. Um, most of those were in my early 20s, but the most recent one was only a few years ago in my 40s, married, mortgage, kid. And so it was a, you know, a bit of a, a fraught moment in my life, but it led me to my current career in podcasting. So uh, I guess it was a good thing. So tell us about that. What were you doing and how did the end of what you were doing come about? So um, I, have a, I have a degree in marketing, an MBA, um, that I pursued while working at Southern Methodist University. So I was in the marketing portion of their development, uh, so fundraising uh, uh, departments. And I had been there for 10 years. And it was a, it was a good job, but I, uh, after 10 years, I grew tired of it. And so I had been for about two or three years searching for my next thing, something else. In searching for something else, I grew a bit desperate. And um, I had some friends uh, working at a very small insurance company they were looking for uh, to expand and needed a new marketing person. And I had a, a few of the skills that they were looking for. So I jumped ship, uh, left the university and joined them and almost immediately regretted it. It was very, a very, very small company run by a, uh, you know, just a, a very salesman persona CEO. Which you kind of have to be to to run a small insurance company. It's almost by definition. But the problem became for me was that the the product that we were selling is called accidental death and dismemberment insurance, among other things. But it's it's really a crappy <laughs> crappy insurance that that uh, is is kind of predatory. It sounds very bright and cheery, to be perfectly honest. Oh yeah, yeah. If you are accidentally dismembered, then uh, you get paid. Uh, it's not a scam, but it's really close to it. It's just an industry that, that I found that wasn't, uh, wasn't the most up and up. And the climate in the office wasn't great either. And I was almost immediately disinterested in it. The culture of the office was very lax. Uh, my friends in technology, they would often work from home and put that in quotes pre-pandemic. 
And so I guess I sort of developed some of that same uh, approach to the the uh, the work ethic there, and uh, I I made my hours my own. Well, that seemed to have worked for them uh, just fine. Maybe because they were absolutely essential, uh, they kept the the servers running. But I probably wasn't as essential, and I was the the newer person. And um, after after coming back from vacation um, once and strolling into the office around 10, uh, the CEO just blew up, was absolutely furious with me, demanded to know where, I, where I've been. I don't, I don't know if he knew I was on vacation or not. I mean, that was, that was legitimate and, and, you know, on the calendar. But um, it was this small incident in the middle of the corridor of, of the office, and, I, and uh, within 10 minutes, you know, I, I was fired. Is, was the CEO specifically, I know you mentioned he was like the salesman type and a, I guess a very like push forward type A type as well, but was he known to be short tempered or bad communicator or unaware of what was going on in his office until he decided he needed to be aware? I would think that's probably fair. Um, you know, he was a, uh, an impulsive sort. Um, and we never, I don't think had a, a real rapport either. I had been already searching for, for other jobs. This just accelerated that. So, but what, I, I, I went home to my wife and told her that, well, you know, guess what? I was fired today, but she is, you know, fully employed and, and we had savings. So it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Um, and it allowed me to, to think about what I really wanted to do um, for the longest time. I had just spent 10 years at a place that I was increasingly constrained by. Um, and I just spent two years at a place that I really didn't like. I had been looking for more and more, you know, places to, to go that, that would better suit me. I wanted to be a little more creative, a little more, find some place that I felt that I was contributing more to. And that was actually very difficult to do because my, my career at the university and then my uh, career at the insurance company had um, put me very solidly into a, an analytical marketing point of view and, and hopping careers as for anyone is difficult you know, making a big change. So um, I instead thought, well, well, crap, you know, um, I, in the beginning here, I don't need to make too much money to stay afloat, right? We can, we can reconfigure our lifestyle and, and it would probably be better for me to, to take a, an enormous pay cut like that and instead try and do something I want to do. No, <laughs> the thing is, what do I want to do? But well, I, but I kind of knew that. Um, I am sitting right now uh, in in the the studio that I had built uh, in a little carriage house at the back of the property that I own, a, a duplex. Uh, and inside it are all sorts of instruments and microphones and implements of of audio destruction that that I've collected over the years. Music has always been uh, a part of my life. And audio in particular, in general, has been something that I've always wondered if I couldn't make a living at. And now facing this moment of, and this kind of decision is like, well, you know, I don't really have to make money the issue. I could, I could now that I'm, what am I, 42 at this point or something? I could just, could just try and make what I want to do the thing I do. And so I had a conversation with my wife. And, um, and we agreed that we, we could give it a try. I know for a fact that from various studio owners, 
you have to be very passionate about it because it's not exactly going to coin you a mint there, especially in, in the modern age where a lot of production's happening at home. Yeah, absolutely. But there's other things like I could compose for libraries. I started trying that a little bit. Um, I um, tried to get the word out that I was recording uh, almost anything. So a lot of voiceover artists, um, I, I wanted to get into that gig. I have a lot of um, friends in advertising. Weirdly, right at this moment, after a few months of trying to start this up and not knowing how to do it, um, someone came to me from New York. They were, they were leaving New York and moving to Dallas, and they had previously worked at Audible as a contractor and director of audiobooks. And I thought to myself, well, this might be interesting. He was looking for a studio, and mine is quiet and, and works pretty well. And so it, what, what started out as a, just a regular uh, studio rental sort of situation, he would contract my facilities out and I would engineer for him. Um, we got to talking and it turned into a, a partnership. You know, let's, let's actually try and make this a, a, a real uh, go at audiobooks as a, as a company. What that meant was we had this little studio running, you know, 16, 18 hours a day. So we tried to get three shifts going. And just, it was just you and him doing all the work? Well, uh, we couldn't. What we discovered was that we need engineers and directors in the room during the recording. We need audio editors after the recording. We need a QC listener that, you know, that tracks and, um, and makes note of errors. We need a, another engineer to record all the pickups. So it became, a, it became an event. It was uh, an endeavor. It was also excruciating. I mean, because it's... Um, there's so much work and so many, so many details. And many of these books are eight or 16 hours long. Throughout all this time, though, my partner and I are, are discussing what else we can do. How, how we, can we grow this business? And um, one of the things that we discussed was uh, podcasts. My partner had this idea that, uh, that he wanted to do a, a different type of podcast, a audio drama. I had no idea what they were. Uh, that they even existed past the golden age of radio. So we just began casting about for ideas like, okay, if we're going to do a, a fictional scripted podcast, what, what the hell is this going to be about? Uh, and we got some, some pitches, but the pitch that won was actually an idea that I had um, for years from college, actually. And it was about a, a sitting president who is um, terrified about, uh, about the prospect of, his successor actually becoming president and then um, taking the, the time between election day and inauguration day to try and stop the incoming president from, from ascending to the White House. A little bit of prescient history. Well, we had no idea either. We were writing it in 2015 and we had this idea that our, our incoming president would be a, an outsider uh, businessman, uh, populist ideologue, and he uh, was going to surprise all the pundits. And um, the outgoing president of his own party was a very much, you know, uh, traditionalist uh, uh, part of the establishment, and is just aghast at at all the norm breaking going on. And um, well, you got a lot of that right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, this was part of the reason why this podcast probably um, 
was made made you know, a bit of a splash when it debuted. It was called Terms, and when we um, when we were first shopping it around uh, to different podcast companies for distribution, uh, many of them said, "Oh no 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 no, everyone's politicked out. We know how this is going to go." Uh, this story makes, you know, is, no one's going to really want to, want to listen to more politics right now because, I mean, I think it was October 2016. We were leading up to the election. But when uh, Donald Trump won his surprise electoral college victory, which is exactly what happens in, in our scripted <laughs> version of the events, uh, one of these companies called us back and said, well, you know what, now that things have kind of uh, gone in a different direction than everyone expected... If you've still got that story, let's uh, let's see if we can't run with it. The, so Wondery was that was that company, and they had the same notion that my partner did that scripted audio fiction would be something big, that it would be a, a new frontier in in podcasting. And Hernan Lopez, the CEO in particular, uh, thought that this would be the thing. Um, and Terms was a very early uh, investment of theirs, I guess. Uh, although they didn't invest in it, they just you know, they they put it out on the network, it. published it, yeah, and uh, it was a lot of fun um, because, like we you, know, you you recognize, we were a bit prescient, so we got in the paper here in Dallas and made some news elsewhere about uh, how we predicted the election, and and it was kind of new for for a larger company like Wondery to come out with an audio drama, and that introduced. A, uh, an old new concept to more people, but it did it didn't it didn't find its audience. Um, I I st we're I'm still underwater you know, for that you know project. We never made enough uh, off of advertising to uh, to cover all our costs. But it did sort of set you up for the future. Yeah, but I didn't know it at the time. So what it, what it did though was um, increase my workload. Um, because I was doing, I was supervising all the writing. Uh, I was composing all the music. I was doing all the sound design. All of this while the audiobook company was still trying to churn out audiobooks. And um, my partner and I were increasingly at loggerheads. We had developed a, um, a growing personality conflict. Because at, the, at this very same moment, um, we had been accepted into some sort of um, local Dallas uh, startup accelerator program. And, and that had it started introducing our, us to uh, potential investors and other, other things. And I think we were just taking ourselves far too seriously <laughs> about, about our real prospects in the audiobook and podcasting uh, universe. And uh, this... This also was a moment in which um, th this conflict between me and my, my co-founder, uh, he uh, had always taken the, the, the lead role, the CEO role, the public-facing role. And I, I'm actually fine with that, but I was not fine with uh, the, what I was perceived as the amount of disregard for my input and, and creative uh, uh, contributions. And that was coming to a head, especially uh, as we did this podcast. Um, Terms with Wondery, and another one for a uh, a, a horror film company. I just I, I was disgruntled, um, and it, it it wasn't getting any better. So I decided that 
you know, for my own mental health, um, I just realized one, one evening in my kitchen, talked to my wife that, that I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to be as frustrated and infuriated. I don't have to do it. I mean, I'm not making much money anyways, so I can just leave. Um, and so I did. I said, I'm sorry, you know, got a lawyer and, and we have to, we have to get me out of this, this company that I co-founded. And that was his own horrible five, six weeks of stress. You know, they, they left my studio and started, uh, producing their audiobooks elsewhere. And I was, you know, back where I had started, uh, no job. Uh, this adventure in audio seemed to have failed. The thing that I was most excited about in mo recent years, this, this audio drama terms, um, came out, was exciting and shiny for a little bit, but did nothing of real substance. And that hurts a lot. Yeah, it was, it was a failure. Not artistically, um, but commercially. And, um, and so I'm back at my kitchen table at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday with nothing to do except try to figure out where I'm going next. You know, and at this point, after seeing me struggle so much personally and, and financially and creatively, um, the idea that, that, uh, that I will be continuing in audio is just outright, uh, that's not a consideration for, for my wife anymore. So it's back to the real job search. And, uh, and now I've, of course, uh, got a, uh, um, I've been fired and had this small gap, two year gap in my resume. Always helpful. Yep. Um, and trying to go back to, uh, find something else, you know, which I knew was hard to begin with. And, um, uh, what I end up, what ends up happening is my wife points out that my old university uh, has a position in my old department that is one rung below the, the, the position I left. Perfect. It would be an easy hire for them and certainly no training necessary. And that's what happened. I applied for the job. Uh, I said hi to everyone I left. They welcomed me back and I was, I was glad to be there. I knew exactly where the coffee machine was. And, and you had your little adventure and now you're back home. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think actually uh, for a few weeks there, uh, I was even in my old office, the one I had left you know, two and a half years prior or whatever. I mean, this is great. I've, I've, I'm back earning a paycheck. But psychologically, you have to understand that this is, this, this is an absolute failure. My adventure did nothing <laughs> for me uh, except lower my salary and aggrieve me uh, personally and leave me with some legal bills. So <laughs> fun times. So your adventure out into this audio world had effectively, I wouldn't say so much crashed and burned, but pretty close to that ended in legal and you found yourself back at your old job. And yet here you are, how did you get clear failure? How did you get from there to a man with, like I joked before, 18 podcasts, you have what was it? 150 million downloads last year. You have a ton of listeners. You put out a huge amount of content. You are incredibly successful at the job you wanted to eventually have. 
How did you get from that failure to here? I don't know that I wanted to have this job. I don't think I knew that I wanted to have this job. Um, what happened was that podcast terms, um, uh, we wanted to make some money off of it. And the way to make money is to run sponsorships on, on your podcast advertisements. And well, I'm confronted with this, this problem as, as executive producer of, of the show, it is a fiction podcast. So who, who's going to read the ads? There's no host. Um, and I decide, well, you know what, uh, it's, it's not going to be the villain of the show. It's not going to be one of the actors that one is going to be hard for, to get them. You know, I have to schedule them to come into the studio. Um, and two, that's, I, that just feels weird. I'll do it. I've got a degree in marketing. I know enough about advertising and writing copy. I've been doing it plenty. So I will, I will do the ads. I did not know that in making that decision that I was setting myself up for an absolute sea change in my life and a complete new career. Because while I was battling my co-founder and then eventually leaving that company and going back in misery to my old job, uh, Hernan Lopez at Wondery uh, had been listening to terms and, um, and especially my ads. While I was at the university, back at the university, I got a phone call from Hernan, and uh, he said he, ha he had two, two questions for me. The first was, he's got this new podcast coming out, and it's hosted by a journalist who can't endorse products. And Hernan asks me if I would mind writing and, and reading the ads for this new podcast called Dirty John. And, uh, and I said, of course. And we came to some agreement about how, how much I might charge. But then he asked the second question, you're a history buff, right? And I've, I mean, I like history. <laughs> I don't know if I would have described myself as a history buff, but I said yes in, in, that, in the context of that phone call. And he says, good, because we've got this other, I've got this other idea. Uh, we've had success with this uh, history podcast called Tides of History. And um, some success with this other series um, called uh, like Behind Hollywood, uh, Behind Jaws, or Behind Star Wars, the, the, you know, behind-the-scenes stories of these, these iconic movies. And I wanted to take the approach of the Behind series and, uh, and move it into history. And um, I know you, that you could do the sound design, but I'm wondering if you would also host the show. And I was a bit of a bit aghast. Uh, uh, I was already, you know, three quarters uncomfortable with, with the, uh, being the voice of ads, but willing to do that. But being the host of an entire show about, uh, uh about history that I, I appreciate, but really I'm not an expert in by any stretch, well, seemed daunting. But again, this is not an, a question you say no to. You don't get these opportunities that often. No, no. So, so, you know, if, if you know what's your, <laughs> good for you, you're going you're gonna to say yes and fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what I did. I said yes to both of them. You had mentioned that you were not comfortable doing these commercial reads, that you weren't comfortable performing in front of the microphone. How long did it take you to get past your imposter syndrome? I never thought my, of myself as, as a talent, uh, uh, on mic talent. It was uh, uncomfortable. I was very self-conscious. So I've, I think probably after just a few um, episodes of History Tellers, so I've, you know, gone from 
a few ads to many ads to now a full scripted narration and done all the editing myself, start to understand my own strengths and weaknesses as, an, as a narrator. One of the strangest things about history tellers is, are these reenactment moments in which I embody all the characters. Um, and so I was voice acting too. I mean, real, real uh, acting stuff. And I probably just a few episodes into History Tellers after, you know, the final review before I sent in to, to Wondery, um, I think it, you, you come to a decision that it's good enough. It seemed to be this, this, this brewing perfect storm of, of accidents for me that, uh, that the, the subject matter was something that I was semi-interested in. The, I was getting more comfortable behind the mic. Um, I had was getting more comfortable with the type of scripts that were coming in. I was doing some practice runs and gaining some confidence on my own. Um, and then pretty soon it came time for this, this, uh, this show to debut. And uh, I had done all the music and composed all that stuff. And on July 3rd, I'm mean, excuse me, January 3rd, 2018, History Tellers came out and that week was hit number one on the iTunes charts. And I have no idea why, but it did. And, uh, and my life changed. I mean, it's a compelling, compelling concept. And I've, I'm ashamed to say this to you on a podcast interviewing you. I've yet to hear it, but I cannot wait. Like it is on my list to start listening to American history tellers because I love history. And the whole presentation of it is just, it is the combination of the historical facts with these reenactments. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful concept. Why wouldn't it explode? It's why the History Channel was so popular for so long. I, it, was, I, I, it was absolutely startling how successful, how quickly it was, uh, uh, it became. And, um, and, and all the while, I'm still working at the university. Uh, this turned out to be something real. <laughs> So it, it, you know, my, my contract with Wondery um, was for a certain number of episodes or a certain number of months, um, and then they could renew it and then have an option for further renewals. And you had full ownership of it. Yes or oh, no? No, absolutely yes no. not. No, no, no. I was, I was a contract employee that was, uh, and my job was to narrate and sound design. And they didn't even contract me to do the music. I just did it. Uh, because I knew there'd be music needed and I wanted to do it. But this was a, a, a short-term contract in months, not years, and certainly nothing secure enough to hang my hat on, uh, let alone my mortgage. So I, I did it on nights and weekends uh, all by myself for, for a few months. And uh, that grew really burdensome. It's a lot of work. Oh, yes. And so yes. I, I, I did eventually... Find, uh, reach out to one of my, my uh, audio editors from the, the old audiobook days and ask him if he would like to edit some audio. And, uh, and so that was good. But, you know, it cut into my, my profits for, for the show. But I was being compensated that, at that point for the podcast on an annualized basis more than my job at the, at the university, which was ridiculous in my, my mind. And, and, and so ridiculous that it had to end. I mean, there's just no way that it would get re renewed. There's no way that, that this will, would actually be a thing. But it kept being a thing. It kept going. And uh, the audience grew. Uh, and with, 
and it got renewed after its first six-month probationary period or whatever. And I began thinking to myself, uh, I'm very tired <laughs> working full-time and then also doing this podcast. Uh, I'm still skeptical that I could make this one podcast my career. But if I had two podcasts, and if this second one did, uh, you know, even a, a portion of, 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 found even a portion of the same success, then I would have this portfolio of two podcasts. So if one went away, I could rely on the other. And, um, and then maybe I could quit my job and just focus on podcasts, which is weird because I tried this a year and a half ago and it all failed. So I started thinking about what this podcast could be. Uh, I looked at the podcast industry, the market, and true crime, you know, as it is still now, was just, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere. Isn't true crime effectively the highest ranked in popularity, aside from celebrity personality type ones? Oh, I, I would imagine so. I don't know exactly, but, uh, you know, Serial pretty much defined modern podcasting, and it is a true crime podcast. And, and, uh, my favorite murder, my girlfriend knows how to kill me in many different ways, so I've got to be very on my best behavior. <laughs> Absolutely. As I was getting to, I don't, I don't really enjoy the genre. I don't like listening to, to murders or, 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 you know, where the bodies are buried. Um, harm to people is, is not something that I relish listening to. Um, but it is very marketable. And so I thought to myself, how can we do this? How can I kind, kind of get near the salaciousness of true crime after a few, few weeks of dwelling on it and uh, trying to come up with a name? I, I decided to keep it simple <laughs> and call it American Scandal. And it is American history teller style storytelling about these, you know, uh, scandalous, salacious moments in American history. And I go back to Wondery and say, I have this idea for a second podcast. And I, I, you know, it wasn't a glitzy PowerPoint presentation. There wasn't a pitch. It was just an email, a, you know, one paragraph. Here's, here's what the show is. They liked it. Then a few weeks after that, uh, facing down this, this, having two shows to be responsible for every, every, every week, I told my wife, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit the, the university. Um, I think it's, it's, we're safe enough now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden on some Monday, I didn't go into work that morning. Instead, I went into the studio and it was my first day as a, as a full-time podcaster. And it has only gotten bigger and faster and better since, but it, I never planned. it. It's awesome that it happened. And look, you've, had the you enjoyed doing the audio thing and you took the chance and it didn't work out and then somehow those seeds that were planted then came back and sprouted into this thing that as you said you didn't plan or didn't even know that you might want but just out of the i don't want to say the wreckage but out of what that was that previous failure came this well as you said steamrolling success and one congratulations man that's it's just awesome to have something like that happen. Well, thank you very much. Do you own any of the, of the actual intellectual property of any of these shows that you do? Or is it this, do you just have this working relationship with Wondery? 
uh, I do own some of the intellectual property. I sold the concept to of American Scandal to Wondery for five thousand um, dollars, which is a very low sum for for anything of of this sort, especially because American Scandal is by far my most successful podcast. But I don't regret that decision one bit. I had one surprise success that I didn't ask for. They called me, and American History Tellers happened, and it was good. But everything after that was were my decisions. So, uh, and I and capitalization on every single decision after uh, before that. So, history tellers was the gift, scandal was the design, and so I sold scandal to to Wondery, um, and it got me another multi period contract. After that, I came to them with the concept for American Elections Wicked Game, which would be a a 59-week survey of all American presidential elections leading up to the 2020 election. That one I own. Once, once Wicked Game ended uh, at the beginning of 2021, I wanted to replace it with something else. And I wanted to replace it with something that wasn't so political because, believe me, uh, I got very tired of reading outrageous partisan <laughs> complaints about my podcast. I imagine from both sides, because people would cast their views on you. <laughs> you can't explore presidential history cautiously enough. Someone's going to take issue with, with the facts, and they're wrong most of the time. But anyways, we batted around some ideas. But they, I, I, one thing I was clear about was that Wicked Game did not meet its, its commercial potential in my mind. Um, it, it wasn't selling well with advertisers and I didn't understand that for the audience that it reached. And, uh, so I just asked them explicitly, I want to build a show that is commercially <laughs> successful that advertisers would like to, uh, to spend their money on. And Wondery told me that their business shows sell out all the time. They, they can't, they can't put enough ads onto their business shows their biggest one being business wars. All of this to say, um, it, it, what started out as pure Wondery owned became more and more my, my end. Um, and now History Daily comes out, and, and Wondery is not a, portion, uh, a partner in that at all, um, mainly because I was approached by this other company, Noiser, to do a co-production. And that's turned out great. So History Daily came out in November, and, um, and it's, it's going gangbusters. Uh, we, we did... Uh, in January, 1.5 million downloads. So, uh, and, and we're growing. Uh, and that brings us to today. Um, I'm, I'm managing a company now with uh, one, two, three, four, five almost employees starting this March. My fifth one will, will, will start. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. That is wonderful. Now I want to ask you, give some advice to anyone listening who Something for them, it's, I want it very general. Somebody out there thinking about their dreams, thinking about maybe not liking their job. What bit of advice would you give them for something for them to do and a bit of advice for them not to do? Yeah, um, I think the gen, you know, there's a lot of general advice um, available that, that, um, that is, is either wrong or right for you, depending on the situation. You know, follow your dreams or, or, or uh, seek safety. Both of those are true. Um, given different contexts. But what I think, what I think I did well is develop a plan. I mean, I took the accident of, of history tellers and I kept building on it. 
And I, I knew when opportunity was knocking and how far to open that door. I think I was okay with, with, with incremental growth. Having blown it uh, a few years prior, having all these dreams of, of, of turning into an audiobook podcasting company and, and, and then just ending up walking away very unhappy, made me think, uh, made me realize that I can do things, I, I, that nothing has to happen so quickly or so spectacularly. And in fact, maybe incremental, slower, more foundational growth is better. And, and, and psychologically too, it, it helps because you're not waiting for the big win. You can engineer a small win for you. And, you know, I, I think back at selling, selling the concept of American Scandal as, as, as one of these wins. It was a calculated decision to move me forward a certain amount. If I played hardball, I probably could own some of American Scandal, one of Wondery's most popular shows, and I might be doing better financially than I am now. But I, I don't really care because I, made my, I set my goal and I achieved it. It felt great and it enabled me to do more. So... I think, I think if there is advice, it's look for the opportunity, manage it, and, and you know, cultivate the opportunities. They don't need to be giant, you know, tectonic movements uh, in your life, even though they may be disruptive. But they can be small steps forward that turn out to be great leaps in aggregate. Well, there it is. I don't know if you noticed. But during the course of our interview, Lindsay conceptualized, recorded, and produced his next two podcasts. Truly a marvel of the podcasting world. Anyway, was there some question I egregiously forgot to ask this learned man of words and history? If so, let me know about my mistake in the comments. As always, follow me on all the socials. And join me next week where I am joined by the modern Shakespeare of the art of the sitcom. Stan Zimmerman. As I said, I think all of them are really good learning experiences. You have to take them in. And you may not know at the time what the lesson is, but accept it and uh, strive for better and be open for better. And